Here's a message from Ken Lavica. Julian Edelman had a great career. He's an amazing story. Something to feel good about. But you, yes, you ruined it by bringing up the Hall of Fame and making people like me crap on Julian Edelman. Coquel, hit the open. On your mark. Get set. Go! You are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 1063. Presented by FAU MBA and Sport Management Program. No, no, no. Stick around. Hang out with us. Cool. Yeah, we'll stay and hang around with you. Stream the show on the free ESPN app or on your Alexa, Google, or Siri smart speaker. Turn it up! Turn it up! Spend your lunch with Ken by calling 888-760-3776. Are you crying? Oh, my Lord. I am sorry, honey. Please don't. Could you get your daddy on the phone? Don't hang up, please. I- From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, it's Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 1063. It's your lunch hour on this Tuesday. It's Tuesday, right? Yeah, it's Tuesday. ESPN 106.3, the free ESPN app. We're on your smart speaker. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Siri. Hey, Google. Play ESPN 106.3. And, boys, it's good to talk to you. We're in the ESPN West Palm Anajar and Levine Action and Attorney Studios. Phillips Point Towers, downtown West Palm Beach, right off of the breathtaking Intracoastal. I'm Ken Levicka. He's Chris Coquel. Want to talk to us? Call us. 888-760-3776, 888-760-ESPN. Tweet at the damn show, at ESPN West Palm and Ken Levick Alive. Presented by the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. 21 years, Bente Uno, años. 21 years of preparing students for the jobs that they find in the sports industry. Find out more, fau.edu slash MBA Sport. Dr. Jim Reardon, you're the man. Appreciate you, the head of the FAU MBA Sport Management Program in Coquel. I have returned in grand fashion. I am no longer projectile whatevering from uh, orifices in my body. The stomach flu has passed. I feel 100%. I am golden, and I'm ready to talk for the next hour here on ESPN 106.3. All right, I'm exhausted. I've been here since 11 o'clock last uh, night. So station hermit Chris Coquel, because hey, some of you may have noticed over the last couple of weeks, uh, there have been some tech problems here on uh on your your grand old sports standby here in palm beach county in the treasure coast espn 1063 so chris coquel last night what did he do he had a little slumber party in the espn <laughs> west palm and john levine studios and you babysat our our very expensive equipment all night how you feeling buddy I'm tired because not only did I babysit last night. That's right. I'm going to complain to everyone on air about my <laughs> tough job working in a radio station. Yeah, real hard as people are working real jobs right now. I got here yesterday at like six. I came in, you know, we were texting, getting us back on the air remotely. And then uh, I was here till three. And then I went home, slept for three hours and back at 11. And I haven't slept since. So, like, in the last 48 hours, I've had about three hours of sleep. Uh, I just want to give everybody the visual as well. I am looking at Chris Coquel right now. He looks absolutely terrible. He's got gym shorts on, T-shirt, and he has taken his sandals off, and uh, he is shoeless. Yeah. This is... Uh, you are a horrifying-looking specimen right now. Well, I just pounded two monsters, so I'm either going <laughs> to fall asleep or my heart's going to explode. Or you're going to drop dead. <laughs> right. I'm legitimately concerned about you and your well-being right now because your heart rate is probably close to 200, 250. I'm fine. I'm cold and sweating at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> that means the energy drink is working. Yeah, That's when <laughs> That's you know fuel. that it's good. Absolutely. Uh, we have a lot to talk about, including a damned meteor. A meteor that all of South Florida, that all of the state of Florida saw last night. Chris Coquel witnessed it coming to his station slumber party uh, last night. And because of this, uh, I don't know anything about anything, all right? And I especially don't know things about the heavens, about space. So that's why we got a real-life big boy professional astronomer to join the show. Josh is coming on the show. Uh, no, no, he is not. Uh, I he thought is, he's the UFO guy with his tinfoil hat. Yeah, but he's also not someone trained in the arts oh. of, of meteors oh, and things in the sky. A real person that knows what they're talking about from FAU, Eric Vandernoot. And he's a oh, he real... smart. Yeah, I was going to say the last name, Vandernoot, you know that he's, oh, he's, he's got smart. the goods. So he is going to join us to talk about what the hell we saw last night. If his name was Vandernooten, genius level. He'd be talking about gravity. 
Isn't the same thing? I mean, the, the meteor was falling from the sky. Gravity played a okay. part. I you saw know what? You know what? I was going to make fun of you, but you bring up an excellent, excellent point. That was very well I'm done. I'm sure it had nothing to do with gravity. <laughs> though, um, uh, and also, we are going to reveal Thursday something special that's happening here on Ken Levick Alive. We'll talk about that in a moment because I am upset. I, I am someone who wants to give credit where credit is due. Julian Edelman retired yesterday after being released by the Patriots. Someone who, I think, Coquel, it's accurate to say he was one of the poster children. He sneaky was like fast. poster child, sneaky, fast, gritty. Right. He was uh, poster child number two behind Brady of the Patriot way. When, when you're talking about people on the field executing the vision of Bill Belichick, uh, he was released, he retired, he is done. That's a wrap for him. And what an underdog story he was. Quarterback at Kent State, really wasn't projected to be anything, uh, played uh, as a defensive back early in his career just to get on the field, played special teams and defensive back for the Patriots, and then turned into what we know him now as one of the, the better slot receivers to ever play in the NFL. Uh, the, the go-to guy for Tom Brady, a multiple-time champion, he retired in my initial reaction yesterday, Coquel, is I wanted to praise him. I want to congratulate Julian Edelman. What a, a, a story he was and what a career he put together. Something that he can be proud of. Something that the Patriots should be proud of. Something that Patriots fans should embrace. But this is what always happens in this industry with all of our sports talk radio talkers, our yappers, our yep, 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 yep. We want to go to the extremes all the time, don't we? This was the greatest. This was the worst. This was the best. This was the crappiest. And sure enough, it took mere minutes for me to see on the old Twitter machine, Julian Edelman, Hall of Famer. And it ruined everything because instead of me, again, someone who wants to heap praise, I want to be positive towards people. I want to congratulate. I see that. And what do I have to do? Take a dump all over Julian Edelman, his career accomplishments, and his production. Because there is no way in hell, I mean no way in any of the seven circles of hell, that Julian Edelman is a Hall of Famer. There's not one metric. There's not one number. There's not one nothing other than the fact that we heard his name a lot at 425 Eastern Time on Sundays because Jim Nance said it a lot because the Patriots always played there. There is not one thing he did that would suggest, not even a Pro Bowl, to suggest that he's a Hall of Famer. And this is what we always do. A popular player, a guy that we know the name of, retires and we say, hmm, gold jacket? No, not even close. And we, we killed it yesterday. We in this industry killed the opportunity to appreciate Julian Edelman yesterday because we needed an angle and we needed a talking point, and I'm angry about it. I think I figured out what's going on here, though. Hear me out. Julian Edelman's career stats aren't great, right? He only had 200... 100, two seasons of over 100 catches. Right, exactly. You know what I mean? 620 catches total for his year. Mm-hmm. Thir- what, 36 touchdowns? Something like that. I just got off of it. Sorry. I changed pages because I want to make a point to you. Okay. But I think what's happening is people are combining his stats with Wes Welker's stats, yeah. and then it's a Hall of Famer. And then he's a a, a titanic, yeah. unbelievable, amazing juggernaut. Now receiver. we got eight seasons of, <laughs> of, 100, of 100 receptions. Yeah. Uh, and, and little known fact, Julian Edelman and Wes Welker, not the same person. Oh, all Different right. people. Right. And you can combine them to create a ticket. You can't have a Hall of Fame ticket. There is not a president, vice president, Hall of Fame ticket. Are you sure? That, have you ever seen the two of them in the same? place at the same time you know what i have not um wes welker you're right five 1000 yard receiving seasons um almost damn near double the touchdowns uh in his career as well wes welker set the standard before julian edelman came in and reestablished the standard julian edelman was he clutch for sure he had a lot of of memorable patriots moments he threw a touchdown pass against the Ravens that helped them win a critical game and play for a championship. The catch against the Falcons. The touchdown late against the Seahawks after converting a third and 14 where Cam Chancellor nearly exploded all of the organs in his body and he got back up 
shook it off, and scored a, a needed touchdown in that game against the Seahawks in that Patriots comeback. But when you talk about rings and you talk about postseason production, that is used to put you over the top if you're a borderline Hall of Famer. He's not even close to the border. If we're talking about the U.S.-Mexico border, like Julian Edelman's career is in like Oklahoma City, okay? It's not close. I have no idea where that is. <laughs> I had a feeling that I was going to a place I where was, I was going to I wasn't sure you. if you are saying it's close, <laughs> yeah. far away. I don't really know where you're going with that. Not, not close, okay? So we're like, Robert Ory, Hall of Famer or not? No, because that's what it is. We're, we're talking about rings and big plays. Yeah. Or he did both of those, but he's not a Hall of Famer. You can be big clutch. Big shot Bob. Right. It, 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 thank you for that. You can be clutch, but it doesn't mean that you're Hall of Famer. And Julian Edelman, there is not a single thing he did that makes him a Hall of Famer. But even the Pro Football Hall of Fame yesterday tweeted this. This came from the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So even they, the Pro Football Hall of Fame is turning into sports talk radio. I didn't know that they were a thing. I didn't know that they had takes. But sure enough, at 6.19 p.m. yesterday, Pro Football Football Hall of Fame tweeted, with the news of Julian Edelman's retirement announcement, he would first be eligible for the Hall of Fame in 2026. Oh, his first ballot? Yeah, exactly. Just stoking the flames of sports talk radioism. Of white guy in Boston being glorified. That's what it is. I know you people are out there. I know you people are out there. So give me your best case, all of you Patriots fans who uh, extol the virtues of the Patriots way, of Julian Edelman, and oh, he was so gritty, and ah, oh, so tough, and a oh, sneaky speed. You know, you know the scouting reports I'm talking Coach about. Coach on the field. Coach on the field, absolutely. I know you're out there. I know you are. So I'm giving you this opportunity out of the goodness of my heart, and I feel as if I owe it to you because you forced me to take a dump all over Julian Edelman's career yesterday when all I wanted to do was praise him. But your thoughts on Julian Edelman in the Hall of Fame pushed me to a place I didn't want to go. So the least I can do is offset this, provide some balance to this by allowing you to make the case. Because again, I know you're out there. 888-760-3776. 888-760-ESPN. Take advantage of this because it's not going to last forever. And I am going to slap it down and put the lid on it very, very quickly after I open this up to you. So take advantage of it now. Do you really think Julian Edelman's a Hall of Famer? Make your case. 888-760-3776. 888-760-ESPN. Why yesterday, though, Coquel, did we... Uh, we couldn't let it... We, it's, it's almost like saying insensitive things, unsavory things about a person, like two hours after they pass. They die, and you got to jump in there with, oh, well, they got arrested for this that one time, or this one time this person said something to me, or back when they were a teenager, they made X mistake. You can't just let the body cool a little bit. You got to get in there, and you've got to immediately start to make these declarations. You've got to immediately start to undercut it. I wanted to praise Julian Edelman for the playoff touchdown pass. I wanted to praise him for the catch. I wanted to praise him for being the go-to to Tom Brady. There are not many people that can say that they are the go-to to Tom Brady, but instead, we had to go to the place of Hall of Fame. And it's true. I mean, am I am I inaccurate here, Coquel, when I say that that even comes up because he's a guy that we know, we embraced. He was the undersized cuddly slot receiver that played alongside Brady and because we know his name and because we heard his name a lot we just sort of the the uh Joe fan I just assumed that there would be a hall of fame in his future I think he's also the guy from that dynasty that's retiring as a patriot because mm. now that Brady didn't mm. Now that Gronk didn't. True. So he's that guy. So he's like the special bow on top of it. I'm like, look, we're still a special team up here. Yeah. If Tory Holt isn't in, if Reggie Wayne isn't in, if Heinz Ward, if you want to talk about actual slot receivers, Heinz Ward isn't in, Wes Welker 
significantly better production than Julian Edelman. You know, Julian Edelman's not only a, not a not only not a first ballot Hall of Famer, he is not a Hall of Famer. Maybe a Patriots Hall of Famer, not a Hall of Famer. There are so many receivers I would take over Wes Welker. Like the, the list is Chris endless. Chambers. Chris Chambers has a significantly better resume than Julian Edelman. The list is endless. <laughs> like it's on, almost on legitimately on. endless. Yes. Of receivers that were better um, during his era. I looked yesterday Ever? at um no era. You're right. Uh I, I looked yesterday his um yards per uh completion, his yards per reception, I should say. We're talking the three hundred and thirties. Of of players uh, that have played X number of snaps, he's like three hundred and and forty ninth all time, and in- it's not like he caught a ton of passes to bring it down. Mm-mm. Like at least Jarvis Landry, who averages the three yards a catch, at least he's catching one hundred and fifty balls a year. It seems right. like right. But Jarvis man, Landry is better than Edelman. Yeah, I, I mean, look at Brandon Marshall. I mean, Brandon Marshall, uh, the linebacker one's better than Edelman. <laughs> Uh, but I'm giving you your platform. If you want to take it, you can do all of this through 1 o'clock. I'm giving you till 1 o'clock to make your case to me. Why you think if, if it, and you're out there, I know you're out there. You're one of those that his mind, her mind, their mind immediately went to Julian Edelman, Hall of Famer, make your case. I'm here for you to make your case. I'm giving you the platform. This reminds me of a Jupiter resident, Joe Namath in the Hall of Fame. Because he really doesn't belong in the Hall the of guarantee, Fame. The guarantee and his personality gave him a Hall Yeah, absolutely. It, that's the comparison. And we love Joe. We yeah. love Broadway Joe. I'm a Jets fan. Broadway Joe got into the Hall of Fame. Not necessarily Joe Namath. <laughs> yeah. Not now, he- if Joe Namath never got hurt, probably a surefire Hall of Famer. Because yeah. he was one of the most athletic people in football before he got hurt. People don't realize that. But he, he helped weave an early Super Bowl tale. A memorable Super Bowl tale. And for that, and the market... It, it it allowed him to get into the Hall of Fame when he probably yeah the numbers don't stack up especially now as you sit in 2021 they they don't stack up even like the wins and the interceptions touchdown ratio doesn't work out for all no. it doesn't work out for like good players no it definitely so doesn't like Edelman's numbers they're not Hall of Fame worthy they're, oh. again there's guys on every roster every single roster every year of his there was never a time where I was like he's the best player in the league. He's the best receiver. No, not at all. Often not the best receiver on his own team. Right. Well, and also, too, uh, this was a great point made by Bo Wolf with The Athletic in Philadelphia, who tweeted this morning, Julian Edelman never even had a season in which he led white guys in receiving (laughs) yards. Is that true? That is true. I looked at it. Like Jordy Nelson... Uh, Wes Welker, Julian Edelman never even led the NFL in any given season in white guy receiving yards. I got to look up 2019. He had a good year. <laughs> he did. catches 1,100 I, yards. But I'm telling you, look at Jordy Nelson's 2019. You are going to find <laughs> he, not even the most prolific white guy and we're too, receiver. We're two short white guys, Edelman. We're here for you. You're, you're, <laughs> we're part of your clan here. Let's go. We're with you. 888-760-3776. 888-760-ESPN. You have your platform if you want it. Julian Edelman. I, I, you Don't hide. Own this. You don't have to hide. I know you're out there, especially here in Palm Beach County and the Treasure Coast. I know you're here. Julian Edelman, your mind went to a Hall of Famer. 888-760-3776. Julian Edelman retiring yesterday. And again, worthy of praise, a beloved player, someone who's going to go down in Patriots history as one of the most beloved players, but not even really in the top five of even top five greatest Patriots players of all time. 888-760-3776, 888-760-ESPN. And so we'll, again, get to... Uh, we'll we'll get to in just a moment what's happening in Minnesota and what happened in Minnesota yesterday and uh, why it's another blow to the stick to sports crowd. But let's go ahead and go to the phones. Tom is in Boynton. Tom is with us on ESPN 106.3. Tom, if you thought Julian Edelman deserves to get into the Hall of Fame, I'm giving you a platform now. I, I can't do it. i, I got to <laughs> piggyback on what you guys are saying. And I want to blame PPR Fantasy Leagues mm-hmm. for p- putting him on a platform that made him relevant uh, in terms of you know points and things like that. I think that fantasy football and, like you said earlier, 
the national coverage is why people are talking about his career as much as they are strictly because of the catches. You, you mentioned the yards per attempt or something like that in the 300s. And I, I want to blame fantasy football. You know what? I, love it. I it, appreciate it, Tom. And th- it's interesting Tom brings that up because I considered yesterday, Coquel, did you just reach for the phone and hurt your elbow? What is the matter with you? I banged it on the table. You're a, an absolute disaster. Um, but I thought about yesterday wow. calling Jamie Eisenberg, uh, our CBS Sports fantasy football expert here on ESPN 106.3, uh, to discuss Julian Edelman and uh, the fantasy ramifications of this discussion of Hall of Fame because it did cross my mind. I agree with Tom. I think because there were times where he was a fantasy darling throughout his career, that skewed people in thinking that his overall production was worthy of anything even close to Hall of Fame uh, caliber. Ben, right? Ben in Palm Beach Gardens? Yeah, maybe. Ben in Palm Beach Gardens, thank you, here on ESPN 106.3. Hey, Ben. Hey, what's up, man? Sorry, I had a little bad connection at the beginning. But You're good. Listen, I know everybody's, everybody's knocking Julian Edelman because of numbers and everything, but the way I look at the Hall of Fame is it's, it's the Hall of Fame and it's success and winning. And, you know, the league's only been around a short period of time, you know, around 50, whatever, 60 years. And the guy's got more titles and has made big plays in big games and been consistent, and he's been there the whole time. And I don't think you need to have a set number of touchdowns or catches or uh, anything to be considered a Hall of Famer. What, I mean, But my argument to that, Ben, is that you at least need to be in some sort of neighborhood, some sort of galaxy, some sort of universe with some of the better number producers at that position. And especially that position, he's in an unfair spot because slot receiver, that's going to go down as one of the toughest positions to even get in to the Hall of Fame because it doesn't suggest big plays, right? It doesn't suggest it's going to rack up catches, per se, but it's not going to rack up yardage. It's not going to rack up production or yards per reception, but that's fine. That's fine if someone who impacted the game gets into the Hall of Fame, but before Julian Edelman gets in, I need to see Torrey Holt, Reggie Wayne, Heinz Ward, Jimmy Smith, Wes Welker all get in before him because their production and uh, what they meant to the game tells just as good a tale as Julian Edelman. You can't just put a guy in, though, because he ended up being a go-to option, a favorite target based on his position to the greatest quarterback of all time. 888-760-3776, 888-760-ESPN. But that goes back, Coquel, to our discussion of Joe Namath who Namath ended up getting in to the Hall of Fame because he sort of told an NFL story and he was a personality. So yeah, there's something to that, but Julian Edelman's not going in because of his contributions to the um, the game of football and his contributions to the greatness and the personality of Julian Edelman. Let's just put Kevin Falk in there too because he was part of those teams. Like, come on, what are we doing here? Sure, sure, for sure. Um, uh, Chris, uh, Chris, yeah, Chris is in Palm Beach Gardens. Chris, you're talking on Ken Levick alive. Hey, buddy. Hey, guys. I agree that uh, Edelman is not, and everybody usually chimes in with he shows up in big games, he's got Super Bowl titles, and all this kind of stuff. And it's, with that same logic, Robert Ory would be a unanimous mm-hmm. uh, NBA Hall of Famer, and that's just not the case. Yeah. So, you're, I mean, he's never been in the top 10 in receiving in any year that he's ever been in the league. So, I think that sums it up. I mean, I, and again, we're, this is why like, it's almost common sense. Like, this is what I'm getting from this is that enough people thought Hall of Fame initially and then got smacked down so hard yesterday, they're afraid to come to the mic and afraid to make the case any longer. So, like Julian Edelman, you can have a great career, you can have an impactful career, and also not be in the Hall of Fame. Zero Pro Bowls. Zero Pro Bowls in the 11 years. Yeah, and I love Chris's point from Palm Beach Gardens because that's what I said earlier. Robert Ory, we don't put him in the Hall of Fame, and I love people who agree with me. So but you know what? His name will always come up for people our age, you and I, in our 30s, early 40s. I actually don't know how oh, old I like you are. the 30s. Keep the 30s going. <laughs> but, but, Robert Ory, but we'll always, when we think playoff basketball, Robert Ory will always come to mind, and that's fine, and that legacy lives even though he's not in Springfield. 888-760-3776, 888-760-ESPN. Uh, Yesterday in Minnesota, some decisions were made about games. Major League Baseball, NBA, also NHL, made for the right reasons, not for reasons that one Major League Baseball reporter would like you to think they were made for. What are we talking about? We'll explain it next. He's Coquel. I'm Ken Levicka. I'm live on ESPN 106.3.
Spend your lunch with Ken by calling 888-760-3776. It's Ken LaVica Live. Here's Ken LaVica and Chris Coquel. It's amazing. We're having to have similar discussion to what we had over the summer. And unfortunately, we knew it was going to happen as well. That's the most disappointing part. Ken LaVega Live featuring Coquel here on ESPN 106.3. Again, we found a real-life astronomer, someone who actually knows what they're talking about. From FAU, Eric Vandernoot will join us around 1245 because uh, there are a lot of you out there last night that saw uh, that that what we assume is a meteor. We're going to actually try and get some confirmation uh, about what that was, but that flash of light, that fireball, that craziness that happened that uh, engulfed all of South Florida last night. We're going to get some answers because we're here for you, the people. And go ahead to subscribe to the Ken LaVica Live featuring Coquel podcast. Subscribe to it wherever you get your podcast. Rate it. And it's going to be available to you mere minutes after we wrap up every day at 1 o'clock Eastern time. Uh, don't forget that Josh Cohen and the home team, they're back today, right? Josh is back. Everybody's good to go. Josh, Dean, Tina, they'll be back today, 3 o'clock here on ESPN 106.3 after, uh, after the day off yesterday. But um, we are, are back in a, an unfortunately very familiar situation uh, where, you know, we, we spent a lot of time over the summer post-George Floyd uh, discussing uh, racial matters and police matters and police and people of color matters, and we're right back in it now with Dante Wright and what happened in Brooklyn Center, Minnesota, over the weekend. And yesterday certainly did not help when we hear from Brooklyn Center Police that oh it was a, a mistake it was uh we, we we meant to tase this young 20 year old um young man this person of color uh but instead it was uh it was a pistol and uh and it killed him that's not good enough that's almost to me as bad an excuse as my blood sugar was too low that's why i said racist things on a broadcast and we've heard that excuse this one's right up there right up there so predictably off of something like that you're going to see anger. You're going to see it manifest in different ways. And that manifestation is um, going to be produced in ways that maybe sometimes is not as savory to some as it is to others. So because of that, all three professional teams in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area yesterday postponed uh, their contests. The Twins, who were supposed to play the Red Sox, the Timberwolves, who had the Nets in town, and the Wild, who were supposed to take on the Blues. They all postponed their games. And I'm on Twitter yesterday, and I see John Heyman, who's based here in South Florida, uh, reports for MLB Network. And the first game, I believe the first team in the area to announce that they were postponing their contest in the wake of everything that was happening with with Dante Wright, were the Twins. And this was the tweet from John Heyman that caught my attention and really rubbed me the wrong way. It really bothered me. Twins Red Sox postponed due to curfew and potential for riots. Potential for riots. Uh, In case you don't know where I'm going with this, is what really stood out to me. I want to read you, first, the statement from the Twins. Quote, out of respect for the tragic events that occurred yesterday in Brooklyn Center and following the additional details in this evolving situation, the Minnesota Twins have decided it's in the best interest of fans, staff, players, and community to not play today's game. The Minnesota Twins organization extends its sympathies to the family of Dante Wright. Now, Coquel, let's go to the Timberwolves. Yesterday's tragic event involving the life of Dante Wright once again leaves our community mourning. After consultation with the league and local and state officials, we believe postponing tonight's game versus the Brooklyn Nets is in the best decision. What was, was not, what word, what phrase was not included in either of those statements from the teams yesterday? Riot. Yeah, right. 
It is so, and it was, and it remains so irresponsible in something that is obviously a tragedy, and I don't care, an unavoidable tragedy, a tragedy that came to be because of either A, poor training, because of just complete negligence, because of manslaughter, because of what could be murder, a tragedy, a needless tragedy, something that didn't need to take place, and something that also continues to underscore the continued problems we have with policing in this country and policing when it comes to people of color. For someone like John Heyman, high profile, to say that a game is postponed because of potential for riots is wildly, wildly, one, incorrect, and two, Really sort of unbelievable. I mean, is it unbelievable, though? How much painting of a narrative do we see people do all the time? All the time. Just wanting to create a narrative of, of people protesting being something other than a protest. Protesting and even protesting that at times, unfortunately, spawns into violence doesn't mean that there's rioting. There is a First Amendment. There is a right to assembly. There is hurt and anguish. Absolutely. There is a feeling of not knowing what else to do by a whole community. Like, this isn't like, oh, let's go out and have some fun and break stuff. This is, we have nothing else to do. Our frustration, our lives are spent like that. Mm-hmm. As the father of two black kids, I am, they're nine and four, and I am petrified. Like, literally lose sleep now over them getting their license in seven and 13 years. If your first reaction to not only the incident involving Dante Wright and your first reaction to these teams and these leagues making the decision to postpone games is, uh, well, they're doing it because there's a potential for riots. If that's where your mind is going to initially, you need to reevaluate and educate yourself about what has taken place not only over the weekend in Brooklyn Center, but also over the summer in places like, well, Minneapolis, George Floyd, in Louisville, Brianna Taylor, and the countless and countless and dozens and dozens and hundreds and hundreds of other situations where we see unarmed people of color being killed, maimed by law enforcement, or even just the fact of how this all started. Because if I had an air freshener, which I do, I actually have one of those pine tree air fresheners hanging from my windshield, and I've never been pulled over because I'm a white man. Like, if, if that didn't happen, the everyday harassing that goes on. When I coached at Forest Hill, I would have players be late to practice, and I'd be like, what happened? And they would break down in tears because mm. they got put face down on the curb for riding their bike in the morning because they're probably up to no good being out that early. It's just going it's- to a school event. That, and think about the trauma of that. From the time you're a little kid and that starts happening. Because it starts happening in schools. The punishment in schools are unequal. So that trauma over and over and over again, it's going to make a community stand up. And for us as white people, the first reaction to be like, oh, we got to watch out for riots. Not like, oh, wow, how can we help these people? Mm -hmm. That's what's upsetting. Mm -hmm. How can we actually uh, listen and um, observe and then properly come to a rational thought instead of, oh, well, there, there's going to be some riots, uh, rioting. It, it is so disingenuous, and it is so misinformed to immediately just assume that instead of deciding to postpone games because they're doing it to uh, honor the memory of, to recognize a continuing chronic problem in this country... The Twins, the Wild, the Timberwolves making that decision to postpone the games for that. It's so disingenuous to think that they just automatically did it because of a potential for riots. But it's so obvious. It's so obvious that that was going to happen. But man, John Heyman just threw it right out there for everybody. Just threw it right out there for everybody. And he's not the only one. No, he's not the only one. And... um, it, it is, you know, I feel bad that I'm, I'm isolating him like that, but he is the most high-profile media member when the Twins game got postponed that I saw immediately go to that place. Oh, potential for riots. No. No. Read the statements. Actually 
see where the teams are coming from, how they're handling this. Yeah, is there a safety concern? Yeah, probably. But there's also a curfew, and there's been a curfew in Minneapolis for quite some time now because just blocks away from Target Field is where the Derek Chauvin trial is taking place right now. So things are already heightened, but just because you're worried about people's safety and there's a curfew doesn't mean that, oh, potential for riots. Those are different things. It is so irresponsible. So irresponsible. Potential for riots. Come on, be better. Be damned better. 888-760-3776. 888-760-ESPN. And by the way, announced today that the Timberwolves and Nets are going to play. That's been rescheduled for this afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern time so that it can be played prior to the curfew um, that has been set forth uh, in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area. 888-760-3776. 888-760-ESPN. Uh, Mel Kuyper caught my attention today, Coquel. Uh, a new mock draft. I don't like mock drafts at all unless they uh, are hypotheticals into things that make me happy. So if the Dolphins are picking someone I don't want in a mock draft, hate them. If they're picking someone that I like in a mock draft, I love him. And boy, do I love Mel Kuyper's latest mock draft. We're brought to you by the FAU MBA Sport Management Program, fau.edu slash MBA Sport. Find out information, summer semester classes, fall semester classes, whether remote, whether on campus, in Boca Raton, the FAU MBA Sport Management Program, fau.edu slash MBA Sport. He's Coquel. I'm Ken LaVica. I'm live on ESPN 106.3. It's Ken LaVica Live. Here's Ken LaVica and Chris Coquel. Here until 1 o'clock, ESPN 106.3, Monday through Friday, Ken LaVica Live. We are seven days old. We're getting there, Coquel. I feel like we're just maturing. We're like a fine seven-day-old wine. <laughs> That's about right. Yeah. Seven-day-old wine. Yeah. 888-760-3776. 888-760-ESPN. Uh, that meteor last night was insane, and Coquel saw it as he was driving into the station to become an ESPN West Palm hermit last night to uh, babysit our very expensive, very pricey equipment. And he thought, what What in the hell was that? Did it hit Stewart? Are we dead? No, he didn't die. But Eric Vandernoot of FAU, he is a real professional astronomer. He'll join us to explain to us what in the world happened. That'll come up a couple minutes from now here on Ken Levick Alive. 888-760-3776, 888-760-ESPN. And again, the uh, Timberwolves and the Nets will play today. Uh, rescheduled game, 4 o'clock yesterday, in observance of the uh, tragedy of the uh, Dante Wright killing uh, in Brooklyn Center, Minnesota. That game was not played yesterday. Where are we going here, Coquel? All right, Ralph in Florida. You're on ESPN 106.3. Hi, Ralph. Uh, good afternoon. I've been listening for about 15 minutes, and I'm in agreement with everything that I have heard, and I thank you very much. But I would like to attempt to put a final point on some part of it. It was, uh, it was pointed out that what could we do to help these people? What I would suggest is, the a final question is, what can we do to stop racists from being racist? Yeah, so the people who are on the receiving end are not the problem. The people who are doing the deeds are the problem. That's who we need to help. Yeah, I think, Ralph, that is um, that is probably, unfortunately, uh, something that um, in, in your lifetime, in my lifetime, in Coquel's lifetime, that ain't coming to a solution. I'm just trying to be realistic about it. You're right. I, I, no, mean, I, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Um, but it, it does speak that, and it sort of goes along the lines of how you've heard, Ralph, that this trial going on, the Derek Chauvin trial, how many times, though, have you heard it the last couple of weeks called the George Floyd trial? George Floyd's not on trial for murder. Derek Chauvin is. But we tend to focus on yeah. the wrong things, and I think this is case in right. point what you're talking about. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. Unfortunately, I think it's a long process, but, you know, in, in our nation, we are educated, all Americans, we are educated to have white supremacy, mm -hmm. to have stereotypes of every group. And all of those stereotypes are designed to advocate for white supremacy. Yep. And so people are 
<clears throat> people are taught that they're, and the white community are taught that they're supreme. And in the black community, for instance, we're taught that white people are supreme. And uh, until we get into the schools and start teaching the truth, even of our history, we don't even teach the true history of our nation. And if we could do those things, then we would be on the road to um, minimizing the problem of racism. Yeah, yeah, Ralph, well said, well said. Uh, I mean, it's baked in. It's it's baked in to, unfortunately, to the history of the country. And it's very tough to undo something that uh, has been ingrained and beaten into heads and has really just been a way of life for centuries and centuries and centuries. Um, thank you for the call. 888-760-3776, 888-760-ESPN. Uh, Coquel, what's bothering you? No, well, it's just it goes back to what Ralph was saying is the... And I missed the call. I hope it wasn't Mr. Vander Newton. That would be very upsetting. Well, we're calling him, so don't worry. Oh, then never mind. I didn't yeah. know you didn't send, You're me, fine. send me the number. You're Maybe. totally fine. That would help. But, um, <laughs> you know, it goes back to, again, being a father of two black kids. I don't mean to keep saying that, but, like, everyone talks about the talk you're supposed to have. And I've heard my wife already start having the talk. And mm-hmm. it's like, I don't know how to have the talk because I don't want to seem like that my kids are less than me and they need to be subservient either. Yeah. Well, well it's like. It's like, all right, yeah, you have to keep your hands in the wheel. You have to say, yes, sir. You have to look in the eyes. You have to do all well, these it's, things. It's tough because you're, you're giving the talk based on things that you have heard secondhand. You're not doing it off of life experience. And it's also just, again, like Ralph said, why am I having to talk with them on how to act instead of people having to talk with the racist of how to not act racist? Yeah. Like, that's where the talk should be. But again, um, when, when that's what, what you're raised on and generations grow to know and that's all they know and you see so much pushback still here in 2021, even with everything that happened with uh, tempers flaring uh, over the summer, it's, uh, it's a daunting, if not impossible, process. 888-760-3776, 888-760-ESPN. Uh, at its core, human nature can be a really, really ugly thing uh last night uh we saw uh something that i know i've never seen firsthand i've never experienced coquel thought that the world was coming to an end but there was what appeared to be a meteor uh, streaking through the sky twitter was aglow uh with all of the uh with with all of the um the accounts of seeing this this galactic object streak through the atmosphere so in a, scary. in a couple of minutes we're going to talk with fau's eric vandernoot uh who's going to tell us what exactly happened and is it going to happen again and was it dangerous were we in any danger last night but i want to sneak in real quick richard in boca richard you're on espn 106.3 how are you richard oh i'm doing just fine i have a couple of comments um first of all julian edelman just to be devil's advocate uh-huh. a lot of his catches were important catches how many of them were for first downs? How many of them were for touchdowns? How many, of them, how many of them kept the chains moving? And he was also the second smartest guy on the field anytime he was on the field. Tom Brady was the smartest. But they were on the same page. Okay. And linebackers had to stay back and protect against them. And one other thing on this racism. I think Dr. You know, Foxworth, who went to Ivy League, might have been smarter. But whatever. Go ahead. But at any rate, on this racism thing, you guys said he didn't even make the top white receiver. What has this got to do with being white or black? You, you, wanna, is, Richard, you, know, you know what it is? Bad, no, bad comment. No, Richard, it's actually hilarious. Okay, I'm sorry. I, you know why I said it, Richard? I'm going to be honest. Because it's damned hilarious. Okay. Like, I, I All think right. it's funny. But what if you had said... Hey, what if you had said... What if I said what? Oh, even I, the top black quarterback. Something like that. You guys uh, will get thrown off the air. It's, it's, not, Patrick, it's not the type of thing you should say. Richard, Patrick yeah. Mahomes is the top black quarterback in the NFL. Lamar Jackson might be Absolutely, second. Absolutely, he is right Thompson. now. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. No, he's not the top black quarterback. He's the top quarterback. He's the most athletic, best quarterback in the league. Tom Brady is the best quarterback of all time at this point. Now, the, the reason so, it's Richard, funny, Richard, the reason it's funny is because it's a predominantly black league. Okay, like, yeah, we can't understand that. We're kind of nitpicking the whole thing, right? Like, just between well, us, you and I. Uh, okay, but again, racism cuts both ways. The fastest guy I've ever heard of in the NFL was a white guy, Don Beebe. Faster than Bullet Bob Hayes. Don Beebe. Faster than Don Louis Gall. All right, Don Beebe was fast. He was not the but, fastest guy in the history of the NFL. Like, he stands well, up. Well, he ran because- a four one three. the fastest one that I ever heard of. Okay, all right. 
ESPN. Uh, Don Beebe, you want to know why he stands out as one of the fastest players of all time? White. He ran a 4-2-1. 4-2-1. Yeah, it's good. Excellent. Outstanding. Richard, I'm sorry for uh, violating your racism senses. When we come back, we're talking about a meteor. He's Coquel. I'm Ken Lavica. I'm live on ESPN 106.3. It's Ken Lavica Live. Here's Ken Lavica and Chris Coquel. The FAU MBA Sport Management Program is the presenting sponsor of Ken Levick Alive, featuring Coquel here on ESPN 106.3. Dr. Jim Reardon, he's been at it for a while, 21 years, helping his students get into the sports industry. Why do I talk about him? Why do I, do I believe in it? Because I have met so many of his students that have realized their dream of getting into the sports industry because they got their MBA in sport management at FAU. FAU.edu slash MBA sport. FAU.edu slash MBA sport. Whether you're right out of school with your bachelor's or you're a 40 something with a family and it's time to get into sports like you've always wanted. FAU.edu slash MBA sport. All right. Uh, so I've been looking forward to this all day. And if there's one thing that I can promise you here on Ken Levick Alive, we're going to break out the experts when something big happens. And I'm not necessarily talking about sports. I'm talking about when things are falling out of the sky. Uh, we have a lot of insiders on this show. Uh, Sean Fairholm, Global Golf Post. He's our golf insider. Uh, Brian McLevin Rowitz, he's our pro wrestling uh, insider. And uh, now, uh, because this is what happens on Ken Levick Alive, once we have one guest on to talk about something that's their expertise, they become our insider. Sorry, those are the rules. Uh, I, I don't. Uh, I just enforce them. I don't make them, even though that is weird. I don't make them, considering it is my show. But from FAU, he is the Astronomy and Physics Lab Coordinator at Florida Atlantic. Eric Vandernoot joins us here on ESPN 106.3. First of all, Eric, thank you for taking the time. Uh, Chris Coquel was driving into the station late last night, saw whatever it was streaking through the sky. Uh, he tweeted about it. I went to Twitter at about 11 o'clock last night, and my time line was filled with accounts of this thing even going up into like georgia and from the bahamas so i suppose my first question to you is what in the hell was that last night it's a rock <laughs> <laughs> so what's interesting is that last night we actually had a passage by by an asteroid uh 2021 gw4 now this thing was far away from us. It didn't actually hit us as well, but it passed with inside geostationary orbit for the satellites. This is probably a little tiny chunk of rock coming out from that. From everything that I can see of the way that asteroid was supposed to pass us by, and of the reports that I saw where the locations are, it's, I would actually think it's actually somewhat related to it, but not, not the asteroid itself. Okay. If it was the asteroid itself, you wouldn't have just seen it. You would have heard it, you would have felt it, you would have seen glass smash in the windows and all kinds of other stuff as well. Huh. Because the asteroid itself would have been big enough to do that. Last night was not. And I know you're the expert here, but I'm pretty sure that thing landed in Stewart. Because I saw it on 95, <laughs> and it was headed right no, to my house. No, sorry. No, dude, sorry. <laughs> you have to understand that when these things burn up in the sky, they're doing it about 100 kilometers, 60 miles up in the air. So you're actually seeing it from actually far away. There was an actually one report that actually had a GOES weather satellite looking down at space, and they actually could see the flash of lights occurring from this, and they pinpointed it off the coast of Florida. Wow. Wow. So Eric Vandernoot, again, he is the Astronomy and Physics Lab Coordinator at Florida Atlantic, joins us here on ESPN 106.3. Uh, so the, uh, the, the meteor, uh, is that the correct term for it, a meteor? Because a meteorite is something yep. that hits the Earth, right? Correct. So the meteorite lands the ground, and the meteor basically burns up in the sky. Oh, man. So this I... is a smallish one, and so it never would have been able to handle the passage to the atmosphere. Uh, so I did see reports of a... Um, uh, Richter scale triggered in the Bahamas, a potential sonic boom. Would that potentially be from last night, or do you think that that may have been just something completely unrelated? Mm, well, there is a, a volcano going off in the Caribbean that's, uh, that could be that, but gotcha. this is closer, so I would think that the energy would have been more related to this, and it would that would put it closer to where you would expect it to see with the Bahamas, because huh. it's closer to them right now. So, yeah, it could have. How common is something like this? And I'm not even just talking about here, but how often do things like that, like we saw last night, the scale of that actually take place? Yeah, a very 
to be honest. Yeah. We expect that there's something like 10 tons of rock falling into the sky from outer space every day. Huh. Can, you, can you walk me through almost like a sports play-by-play? Because I saw a fireball, <laughs> and then it looked like a transmitter blew up. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. That's exactly what happened. So what happens is that as the, uh, the, as the uh, rock enters into the atmosphere, it, it actually heats up the air in front of it. It compresses it, and it kind of t- turns it into a bit of a pressure cooker wave right in front of it. That's what heats the rock from the outside in. It doesn't actually kind of, you know, it's, it's more like the, the space capsules coming in from outer space. So they actually hit from the outside, and then little tiny cracks and things start to get worked into it. Uh, little vortices work on the outside. All these things kind of deform the surface uh, shape of the rock as it falls to the uh, atmosphere. So when it lands on the ground, there are these features on it that we can recognize as it being truly a meteorite. If it doesn't have these things, we can say that it's a meteor wrong. Uh-huh. Ah. And so when it enters, <laughs> so when it enters in the atmosphere and starts to work into some tiny little cracks or crevices, that can actually cause it to really expand. And then once it once it does that, it just splits the rock into pieces, and that's your boom. So uh, again, our uh, space insider and space comedian Eric Vandernoot from <laughs> FAU uh, joining us here. Just a couple more moments. Uh, so no one was in any danger of anything. This was just purely a light show last night. Something cool if you saw it. Something uh, fun to look back on, and uh, something for someone like you that's sort of a thrill to have it happen in your own backyard, right? Yes, exactly. And it's a thrill for everybody to have in the backyard. And it's kind of like neat because you know it's a way that's. A way for space to tell that back to us and say, "Hey, I'm here too." You know, <laughs> uh, we, I, I have infinite power over you if I want to. Uh, if I want to do it, yes, Kokel. So when, now you remember? Do you remember the one that hit in, in uh, Russia, the Shelly Yeah, uh, it, like uh, broke the, windows. Right there? Yeah, like it was crazy. Yeah, yeah, it, got, it caused 57 acres of window glass to be shattered and 1,500 injuries. That one was a big one. Oh, if that GW4 asteroid hit us, that would be more the effect we would have had here. So when are the rest of the rocks that the aliens were throwing at me last night, when are they going to hit the atmosphere? <laughs> they already passed by. They're gone. Oh. <laughs> it's cleared out right now. Eric, you are seeing what I deal with on a daily basis here uh, on this show. Eric Vandernoot again from FAU Astronomy and Physics Lab Coordinator. Really appreciate the time. Thank you for letting us know what took place last night. And uh, we'll, uh, if this happens again, you're our first call, okay? Okay, cool. Awesome, Eric. You have a you have a great show, and have a great night, and hopefully you get to see some more action up there. Awesome, right? awesome. Uh, for Coquel's nerves, hopefully not too much action. Uh, Eric Vandernoot again, <laughs> FAU's Astronomy and Physics Lab Coordinator with us here on ESPN 106.3. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Rate it, listen to it, love it, embrace it, tuck it into your bosom. We're here for you every single day. He's Coquel. I'm Ken Lavica. I'm live and I'm back tomorrow right here at noon on ESPN 106.3.